And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, hello, hello. You are listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. That's me. I am Meg Linehan. I am your host. I'm a staff writer at The Athletic covering the NWSL, the U.S. Women's National Team, and more. I am glad, as always, to have you back for another episode of Full Time. We're moving into expansion draft mode here, and to help me make sense of the rules and what might be coming up for us in November in the NWSL, we don't have enough going on in November, right? Steph Young of All for 11 is back. We're going to be here to help you on what the expansion draft rules mean, gaming out all of Louisville's options between banking allocation money and some U.S. national team players. And we definitely went full galaxy brain with one possible scenario, just to tease you. If you can hear some noise in the background, that is my wife teaching over Zoom. For her college class. All right, so it is it is pretty much expansion draft central here at the moment, but still some news to report. Canada women's national team have found their new head coach in Bev Priestman, who is no stranger to the program. Obviously, she spent five years in Canada leaving, leading the youth national team program and as an assistant coach under John Herdman as well. So she returned to England to serve as an assistant coach under Phil Neville and now at age 34 takes the reins for Canada less than a year out from Tokyo 2021, assuming that, of course, still happens in theory. Uh, But she does have some time to figure out her approach to the 2023 World Cup, obviously. So a lot of talk in her introductory press conference via Zoom about changing the color of the medal, right, and bravery as this concept. But ultimately, I think the success of this program really does still boil down to the level of investment and commitment that Canada soccer shows to their program. All right, on the expansion draft front, Steph and I are going to get into the rules a bit later on in the show, but I did want to cover some ground before our chat so that way you would have at least as much of the relevant information that I can cover in a short amount of time, since this is not necessarily the most intuitive process. So first on Wednesday, the league announced that the expansion draft for Racing Louisville FC will be streamed on Twitch. That is now set for 7 p.m. Eastern time on November 12th. Uh, I did get a copy of the expansion draft rules early, thanks to my reporting, and I did share the big picture notes with you on Monday, but here's the, the quick version, right? So Louisville can pick up to 18 players during this draft, so two from each team. Each team can protect 11 players total from their roster, and that includes potentially up to two U.S. allocated players within that total of 11. So the big twist really that you need to know about is the fact that allocation money is now going to play a role in the expansion draft. So if Louisville avoids picking any U.S. allocated players, they walk away with an allocation money grant. Yes, that is confusing. I know. An allocation money grant of $150,000. 
If they pick one player, they get $75,000. If they pick their maximum of two U.S. allocated players out of that 18 total, they get no money. And on the flip side, if a team does have one of their allocated players picked, they get $75,000 in return. All right, so here's the fun brand new rule, which totally didn't get made up to apply to one player in particular. This is sarcasm, but also if you are going to make up a rule, I get one making up for Katarina Macario out of Stanford. Uh, These allocation money grants can be applied to the number one draft pick in the 2021 college draft. So a lot more on that in my conversation with Steph. So just hang tight for everything that you might possibly want to know about the expansion draft. All right, so with those basics covered the trades. So we just missed out on the first uh, big one hitting before last week's podcast, but there was a three-way trade between Portland, O.L. Rain, and the North Carolina Courage, which resulted in Crystal Dunn moving to Portland, though technically she already lives there, Uh, goalkeeper Casey Murphy in Carolina, and a lot of allocation money changing hands. All right, the other big one directly affects the expansion draft as the Red Stars specifically traded their way out of being selected in the expansion draft and opted for full control of the situation via trade. Forward Savannah McCaskill and midfielder Yuki Nagasato are the first new players for Louisville, and Louisville also picked up an international slot from Chicago for both 2021 and 2022, plus Chicago's natural first-round draft pick in the 2021 college draft, which is number five overall. And yes, Louisville will be getting the number one overall draft pick <laughs> coming up in 2021 as well. All right, and finally, one fine, fun news item to close this out. This was already circling around on Twitter, but I did literally just get the official press release from Apple TV. Ted Lasso has already been renewed for a third season, even though technically they have not even started filming for the second season, which I personally find extremely, extremely exciting. All right. So before we get to the rest of the show, this is the last time for a while, probably, I would think, that you're going to hear from uh, hear this kind of speech from me at the top of the show, but our big $1 a month offer is about to come to a close. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, which I do hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast, uh, but... If you enjoyed any other podcast from The Athletic, if you don't already subscribe to the site and our app, you still have a little bit more time to subscribe for $1 a month for your new subscription. Now, I know I probably sound like a bit of a broken record. We have been talking about this now for a couple of months, but I I really cannot overstate how important it is for fans and supporters of women's soccer who want to see more coverage to show their support of that existing coverage. It's so much easier for all of us to make arguments that this work is valuable when the numbers back it up to prove our point for us. So subscribing to The Athletic, reading women's soccer articles, that's all clutch. Subscribing to this podcast is clutch. Downloading the episode every week is clutch. Leaving your rating and review on Apple Podcasts is clutch. Not every single one of those action items includes money, but if you do want to put your dollars to women's soccer coverage, subscribing to The Athletic, I personally think, and yes, I I fully understand how biased I am. That's a good use of a dollar a month in my book, though. All right, again, you know where you're going to find me through the 2023 World Cup, at least, here at The Athletic, hosting this podcast, writing stories, maybe actually potentially getting enough sleep, though that remains 
to be determined, truly. But I do hope that if you are already a subscriber, you stick around and you know how much I appreciate you. If you are not a subscriber, I really do hope that you join us on this wild ride that is the NWSL and the U.S. Women's National Team and women's soccer in general. And just, you know, I, I keep thinking like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll actually get some some time to sit here and, and think about things. And it, it doesn't happen. All right. So for one final time, theathletic.com slash full time for your new subscription for a dollar a month. Thank you. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. So she has been on the show before, but very glad to have Steph Young of All for Eleven back to break down what we know so far about the expansion draft we recorded on Tuesday. So really the only thing that we were missing at that point was how to watch the draft itself. Here you go. All right, Steph, first I want to ask you, have you bought a sword yet? This is very important. This is what we need to start this podcast with. Have you bought a sword? No, I'm poking around (laughs) and I'm torn on whether I want to really search around to find a traditional Korean sword, which is hard because the history of the region is so heavily influenced by Japan and China, thanks to, you know, cultural crossover and repeated invasions. Um, so that's so the short version of that history. Right. Finding something <laughs> that's uniquely Korean, everybody's going to be like, oh, a katana or like, you know, a Chinese, like the straight version of the sword anyway, or to get a 10th or 11th century uh, a 10th or 11th century commonly known Viking sword. There's like a deeper classification that this guy named Oakshot did, but that's like getting into the weeds. <laughs> Long story short, no, but I've narrowed it down a little bit. And okay. I'm very close to getting myself like an isolation treat yourself item. Okay. Yeah. I just remember going to the Met with you and my wife and us hitting like the armory section and you immediately just being like swords. Yeah. yeah, I told you guys what was going to happen. I was like, yeah. I'm going to be here. You can go enjoy <laughs> the paintings and the sculptures and like the fine art and the Egypt section and shit. I'm just going to be by this case with like <laughs> the swords in it. To be fair, that's a great section of the Met. So, it's an incredible you know. section. I love going back. I always see something new there. All right, let's talk expansion. At the point when we are recording this, technically these rules are still not official somehow. Um, but we are both looking at a PDF of what is in theory the approved <laughs> rules of the expansion draft, which I reported out earlier this week on The Athletic. First, I mean, I feel like really these are not necessarily super different than what we have seen in other expansion drafts beyond now we have 
We're, we're in the brave new world of NWSL and allocation money. What on your first read, there's going to be one major rule change that we're going to talk about, but what on your first read through these rules stood out to you as different or something, you know, is it just allocation money really playing a role in this draft now? I, I don't know. It, what stood out to me was they were like, this allocation money cannot be converted into cash at any point, mm-hmm. even if you make a trade. So it's clear they want this expansion draft to be really just about players. They don't want Louisville to be able to kind of flip this into let's have a little fun money. Because I remember when allocation money first came up and I wish it had a different name because it's exactly yes. the same as allocated, allocated player money. Anyway. Yep. Yep. So when this like extra money first came up, I remember we were desperately trying to find info on it. And somebody mentioned, it might've been Arnold Whistler or somewhere or Stephanie Lee from Utah mentioned like um, you can use it on things like operations and stuff. If you mm-hmm. trade for this money, it's right. basically as good as cash. It's not just a gift card for player <laughs> signings only. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it, what they're saying in this is if you want to take that 150 or the 75,000, you can only use it on like a player salary, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm wondering if that does affect them. I don't think it like really alters their calculus a lot. Um, I'm hoping that Louisville isn't banking everything on getting an extra 150 grand operation spending money. Right. In overtime. I, yeah, I, yeah. You do. I, I think that the general sense out of Louisville is that they went into this knowing exactly what they were getting into, but also, yeah. I mean, like their, their season ticket sales have been strong. Like, I don't think they're going like, Oh no, we need 150,000 cash money to put in the bank in order to run this team. Like that's not the general vibe I've gotten out right. of them at all. When you like do a scam to try to use your gift card on <laughs> something else or something. So I don't think that's yeah. happening. The other thing that kind of stood out to me, which actually isn't super about the money is, so you read the rules, right? And there's not, as far as I can tell, in the rules, the thing about if you pick somebody, then teams can alter who they're protecting, mm-hmm. right? You have to mm-hmm. submit the whole list. So why right. do you need to go through a draft process? Yeah. I mean, drama, I guess, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you're not saying like, oh, okay, if I'm going to pick a player from Portland, then Portland also gets to protect two additional players, right? I got a, a Twitter mention being like, why isn't that a rule? Like if you get someone selected, you get to uh, protect an additional player or something right. in response. But that that yeah, I mean, I do think that just generally also the there is a whole section on like timeouts, right? Like Louisville gets this many timeouts. Yeah. Every team gets one five minute timeout. The league gets unlimited timeouts. And I'm just like sitting and thinking back to like every single college draft when a timeout gets called and everyone immediately just like sits back in their chair and is like, come on. Right. Especially if they used to move it along like the like a full timeout, especially in the first round when you're like, you know who you want. Don't do this. (laughs) Yeah. It's very it's cold in this ballroom like, and I want to leave. Is a trade happening? Is something yeah. going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Although I guess you do have a point there, right? So if, well, I don't know that teams are going to be allowed to be making trades in the middle of an expansion draft either. Yeah. Right? So Yeah. I think it might be almost like, um, I mean, I feel like, so we'll, we'll get to the Chicago Red Stars trade later, but I do think that there there might be some handshake deals that might happen of like, hey, we're probably going to take this player, but mm, if you want to do a trade when the trade window opens back up, because technically that that window does open up the day after, right? So you could do a handshake and say, mm, maybe we won't take this player 
but we're going to deal do this deal with you tomorrow when that officially happens again. Like, there might be some handshake stuff that happens. I mean, the, the NWSL, any, anything is possible, I guess, in the, both the best and worst senses of the word. So, yeah. Right. I, so there's, yeah, there's pros and cons here. I'm the kind of person who, like, hates suspense in my life and in movies. <laughs> so I'm like, if you have all the information beforehand, then just tell me. I've never right. hated, I've never liked the thing, where, like the Socratic method, where people try to draw you out with the questions. and like, just tell me the answer. Right, right. All right. So the general, if if folks have not seen the copy of the rule, but I mean, really, it's Every team gets to designate players that they protect, right? They can only protect up to two U.S. allocated players. Again, this is where we get into the problems of describing (laughs) allocation money versus allocated players, which are really only U.S. players in this case. Anyway, so you can protect up to two U.S. allocated players on your roster and then a total of up to 11 players on your roster, which also has to include those two allocated players so you might protect two allocated players and that gives you nine other players to protect and then everyone else is unprotected this also includes people who are on loan or perhaps have their rights held by a team not a discovery list but you know the sam muis rose lavelle kristen press tobin heaths of the world right at the moment they are in play for this expansion draft as well Right. You can't hide your assets in England, like the Cayman (laughs) Islands of women's soccer. Right. Though I do think that was that was definitely before we really got the rules of this. That was a real thought of like, maybe this is what North Carolina is doing to try to like skip breaking up the band. Right. Is like, well, if we send Sam Hewitt to England for a year, we get her back. So <laughs> and it's like in the in the line of which in the wardrobe where the children are sent away during the war so that they can be safe in the English countryside. <laughs> so Samuels is six feet tall, just <laughs> does not blend in at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> that's the first part. The other big part, as we've been talking about, is allocation money. Right. So here's the big twist of this. If. Louisville goes through this draft and picks 18 players total. So in theory, you know, two two from every team. And they pick zero U.S. allocated players. That means they get an allocation money grant of $150,000. If they pick one U.S. allocated player, they get $75,000. If they do pick two total, they get nothing. Um, also, if a... If a team does actually lose one of these U.S. allocated players, like let's say Portland, right, loses a player, they're sitting on five right at the moment, then they would get $75,000 back. Also, the other part of this, too, is that Louisville can only pick one allocated player from a team. So you can't go in and say, like, oh, Portland's got Tobin Heath and A.D. French. I will take both of those. Thank you. So you get one or the other. I think that's really the big allocation money part of this. The other big twist of this, and it's so great because in looking at this document, it's you get this whole, it's on like page five, and it's just note underlined. <laughs> allocation money may be used on the salary of the first pick in the 2021 NWSL college draft. And I remember I did not know this before I got this document and just going huh, there's the fun rule. It's such a small, it's like essentially a footnote in this document and it changes everything as far as I'm concerned. Steph, what was your reaction when you um, when you heard about this twist? When 
when I heard about this and the other people I talked to in um, Universal Media were talking about it, immediately called it the Katarina Macario loophole. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is maybe your region not, look, with no offense to Louisville, which I really do want to visit and I've heard has, you know, a bustling food scene and a nice I low cost of living. Yeah. Um, maybe for somebody fresh out of college who's looking for um, a great rookie year experience and could have her pick of teams, maybe you need that extra $150,000 to kind of attract somebody if you're not closer to an, an urban center like Chicago or New York or, you know. Um, you're not Portland Thorns. Yeah, you're not Portland Thorns. <laughs> we'll just say it. We'll just say it. If you're not the Portland <laughs> yep. Thorns. Yep. Right. Or if you're not as fond of Orlando as Marta is, then yeah, mm-hmm. maybe that's what you need and they're going all in. Here's the thing though. It's something that I think also applies to allocated players, which is there are certain U.S. national team members available, like who might go unprotected um, because I think Louisville, if they have anybody there worth a damn, will know who's checked in and who's checked out. Right. And they'll know who is going to want to be in Louisville and who isn't. And I mm-hmm. would rather take a good player I have to pay for, who's maybe not mm-hmm. world-class, but is like going to be solid and there for me all the time and can be available all season long versus a national team world-class player who's A, going to be in and out for international tournaments, and B, doesn't want to be there. Right. Yeah. I think the thing that is getting lost in the shuffle of like, yes, there might be big names available, but so much of an expansion draft is like the risk assessment part of it for Louisville in terms of, if I get this player via a draft, is that player going to actually be here? Right? Right. And so if you're looking at, Portland's list of five players that they're sitting on, right? They just traded for Crystal Dunn. I have to assume they're about to protect her. The other one I'm assuming that they're going to protect is Lindsay Horan, right? The right. two most obvious candidates. So that leaves you French, Heath, and Becky Sauerbrunn. Now, could you try to go for Becky Sauerbrunn? Sure, right? But also, she just negotiated a whole trade to get herself in Portland. So is Becky Sauerbrunn actually going to come to play in Louisville? Right. I think it applies to a lot of players. Like, Portland's not going to protect Christine Sinclair. If you're Louisville and you pick Sink, like, (laughs) what are you going to do? Tell her that she, she's publicly said when they were first making the league and they said, lift your three cities, she wrote Portland, Portland, Portland. Yeah. Right. So certain players who are so strongly identified with an area, I think clubs will be like, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) They're not going to, you know, (laughs) so it takes some decisions out of their hands. If, if Louisville has someone there who even knows the basics of what they're doing. And they right. hired Christy Holly. So at the very least, no matter how you rate him as a coach, he at least understands some of the dynamics at play here. Right, right. You know, I think that was the, the other big team too. Orlando has four, right? I think their choice is just as easy. You protect Alex Morgan and Emily Sonnet, and then you basically dare Louisville <laughs> to try to draft one of... Ali Krieger or Ashlyn Harris have fun have like first of all I want to see that experience on Twitter but second of all have fun with that like it's just their hand is forced simply by what the league looks right like right, right, right. at the moment right the the stands would be like we will burn Utica to the ground but <laughs> Louisville instead you know right so. right yeah 
All right, so trying to game this out, do you think that there really is a reward then in essentially going through the expansion draft and just saying, we're going to just avoid allocated players entirely and we're going to focus on picking up that 150000 bonus and then maximizing the other 18 players we can pick from the teams. And keep in mind, we're playing this game without seeing the actual unprotected list, right? Right. But... I think you possibly at the very least play for 75,000 and you look at the allocated player list because there's something to be said also for wanting to have a name on your roster. Cause you know, as, as much as we hate it, it does legitimize things to mm-hmm. have, for example, Julie Ertz on your roster. It's like, Oh, it's a serious team, but how, however they function or not, not that they're going to pick Julie Ertz, but I would go through that and I would kind of do my research and be like, What's our play style going to be like? Mm-hmm. Although it's, you know, um, a little far out. And then who do I think is either unsatisfied or could be lured away at this point? Um, and then the other thing that I also kind of, I read the rules and I was like, wait a minute, is they only went to all this trouble with u.s allocated players and i was like is canada not allocating players anymore <laughs> they are technically they but are. they've always had like a standard player contract yeah. so i think it just yeah so i was yeah. like canadians are considered just player for right. the purposes of this draft but if right. i were the canadians i'd be a little bit put out and be like are we not worth right. like all these right. complicated rules to make sure we don't upset the balance of power in the league right what's going on here and it's like yeah kind of little thing <laughs> I mean, if if the Houston Dash are dumb enough to like leave Nichelle Prince unprotected, Oof. which I don't Oof. think they are, like that's an immediate like. If I see her name on that unprotected list, and I'm Louisville, I'm like, see ya, goodbye. Yeah. Like yeah. great young <laughs> attacking go. player like that who has been on yeah. a noticeable upward trajectory for a couple seasons. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So if I I look at this list and I think, okay, at at least one, maybe see if I can find somebody who fits my play style and can possibly be lured away a lot of them though like are settled so i think you have to look more at the younger kids because they have less strong ties and also you're a new team you got to balance building a franchise around a name i don't know if they want to do that but if they do you know your name tends to be older versus you know a 33 year old player maybe it's like right do you want to be competitive or do you want someone who's 36? And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yeah, I mean, I think the other part of this, too, is like the most interesting play, I think, that is currently on the board is looking at OL Reign and who they're going to protect. Because now they're sitting with three, but Rose Lavelle is only 
the rights to Roosevelt. She's currently in England. A lot of questions about Megan Rapinoe's, <laughs> like, is she going to play in 2021? We still, I mean, the assumption is yes, but truly, do we know the answer to this? Not really. And Allie Long. And so I'm extremely curious, A, to see who they're going to protect, but B, if, let's say, Rose Lavelle is the one who is unprotected, do you start trying to build that relationship now and try to make her the face of a franchise, especially with Louisville's proximity to Cincinnati, right? Who are actually kind of their rivals in USL. But like people I would assume would travel from Cincinnati (laughs) to see Rose Lavelle play if she ends up in Louisville. That to me is actually kind of like, do do you risk an expansion draft pick on her if she's unprotected? And I think that could be a very interesting potential conversation that is happening right as I was going down the list I was like that's the name that pops out the most as fits a lot of the things that we just talked about checkmark young player checkmark mm-hmm. she can fit into your style you know um yeah. honestly she's the kind of player you build a style around actually yep. and then you know checkmark she doesn't have strong ties to the team that currently holds her rights um so if I were them yeah I'm sure they actually have a plan that involves Lavelle and hopefully a plan that doesn't, you know, I hope they have a big Vlako Ananovsky style binder that has a lot of contingency <laughs> scenarios. And one of them absolutely should include Rose Lavelle. You look at the rest of them. Uh, maybe Mal Pugh could be a target here, but I don't know if you necessarily, if I had to pick between Rose Lavelle and Mal Pugh as like a temple player, I think I'd go Lavelle. Right. Right. Um, I think the other, the other big part of this too is, so Chicago is off the board now yep. for this expansion draft. And I wanted to, the fun part was that that actually coming through as a trade before we actually had any sense of the rules really whatsoever. But they they gave up a lot, in my opinion. So in order to basically be exempt from the expansion draft, they sent forward Savannah McCaskill, midfielder Yuki Nagasato, an international slot for both 2021 and 2022, plus their first-round draft pick in the 2021 NWSL College Draft, which is number five overall. Right. Which, so there's two parts to it. Is A, you do have the semblance of control. You know who the players are that you're giving up, and you're done, right? The other part of this, too, is Chicago has been specifically (laughs) stockpiling (laughs) random things. Like, Rory has his, like little pile of stuff, right, that he can kind of parcel out to folks. But I think the other really interesting thing about what Chicago's doing is that this buys you a year of safety because we have we know for a fact we've got no, another expansion draft coming down the line. So, like, you're paying all of this for essentially one year of protection, and that to me is the thing that I can't quite get over. Right. If it, if it was just this, I think we'd all be like, yeah, Chicago played this really well. They paid their protection money. That's literally what it was. They paid the protection money. <laughs> and they, they're like, all right, we can have our little storefront like in my kind of town. Thanks. Thanks, Louisville, for leaving us alone after this. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I know this was something you wanted to talk about eventually, which is the possibility of 14 teams by 2023. Um. Because we're getting obviously Louisville and then Angel City and I don't Sacramento Sacramento theory theoretically they've said they're still interested and on track but 
Um, yeah, I mean, my sources have said that's been done for a long time. So I do really enjoy the the super long lag between my reporting and then something actually happening. It's not terrifying at all. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do like Sacramento is it's just like, when is it getting announced at this point? But then the radio silence is, as always, extremely enjoyable. Right. So they gave all this up and and then immediately after there, there might be a double expansion yeah. draft where yeah. you can get four players possibly picked off of your team. I I honestly hope that the league actually tweaks the rules for that because having four players cut from yeah. every single roster. It seems not sustainable. No, 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 no. Yeah. And if we're going to be expanding, then we have to be looking at other places for the talent pool anyway, instead of just recycling the same names through over and over again. So that's actually having implications there for the pipeline and the way we do the college draft and how we scout mm-hmm. college talent or even like lower league yeah. talent, like, right. uh, you know, right. WPSL. Yeah, whatever, now, so. There's also talk now of the homegrown rule finally coming into play, right? So there's that to bring into it. Right. Which has further implications for like rich clubs that can afford to implement academy structures or like build on their existing academy, all sorts of stuff happening down the line here. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You can keep going forever. I, 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 when I look at Chicago short-term smart, and then I do wonder looking at the other stuff they gave up besides players, because Nagasato's getting older, even though she's kind of like, uh, a, a tentpole player for your team, not just in terms of on the field, but in terms of like your brand. She's very strongly mm-hmm. identified with Chicago. And then McCaskill has kind of underproduced her entire career so far. Like you can see she has tons of potential and sometimes she like really plays and has a banger of a game, but she's not consistent. Um, but you look at the other, so it's like the fifth overall pick in the 21 draft. And then two international slots in 21 and 22. Rory Dames is someone who's known for being able to look at the college draft and kind of mine, particularly local talent. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if the international slots don't really matter to him. Yeah, he he did some media with Arnhem the day. (laughs) I mean, the I think the real joy of that press conference was him literally being like, "Yeah, my mother-in-law texted me to be like, you traded Yuki." (laughs) <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> right but the other part of that was saying you know he does want to look at international stuff but i think they're clearly set in terms of like having the international slots that they need i don't think that they would trade one away and then immediately have to get it back but this is a team that you know rory said every i've been told for like three years now there's an expansion draft coming there's an expansion draft coming and he's been trying to like figure out okay how do i stockpile stuff that i can basically bribe whatever expansion team is coming in so that way (laughs) essentially like whatever i've been building here i get to actually protect and chicago i think is really a team that has such a very specific mission and approach to how they build that team that has such appeal (laughs) to an expansion team right like I mean Chicago has not necessarily had that final like breakthrough when it comes to a championship but you look at the the setup that Chicago has and I as an expansion team would look at that and be like that seems productive I would like to scoop out the best parts of that and take them for myself right well it goes back to what we were saying about in the next couple of years it's going to be really apparent that every team is going to need 
a talent scout who can who understands the NCAA. I think Angel City is leading the way with this because they just hired Kim McCauley as their director of talent and recruiting and stuff, right? <laughs> it's kind of a GM adjacent role. And mm-hmm. that kind of person who does deep dives on your player pool is going to become drastically important in the next right. three to five years. Yeah. And Rory can already do that pretty well, as we've seen. Um, right. To the point where if he ever wanted to transition out of coaching, he could probably just become Chicago's GM. So I, I think about that and I think about, you know, this expansion draft and how teams are going to have to build their rosters for the next two to three years. And mm-hmm. I think if I combine that context with what Chicago did, I lean pretty close to the side of them coming being like, okay, they made the smart move here. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it will be interesting. And, I mean, what's fun is Chicago has, like, made their move, right? They're safe. And every other team is essentially saying, like, okay, we're going to essentially dare you to take our players, right? Like, in terms of protected players, but, you know, they felt confident enough we can put the players that we want to put on this protected list clearly. And then, yes, we might lose a player or two, but the cost is not going to be steep enough to have to go through the protection money process. Do you think Louisville would take Carly Lloyd? (laughs) I mean, but Sky Blue only has two players, so you could protect both. But, like, the question then becomes also, if you can only protect a total of 11 players, right, you could, in theory, forgo protecting two allocated players in order to protect 11 players. Right, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, so does Sky Blue opt for protecting one or both? They could skip it. Because Lloyd, they've they've shown this season that Lloyd does not have to be central to their success. She, I don't think she would have hurt if she'd been able to play for them through the fall series. I mean, I don't think, I don't think, you would have to have that relationship, right? I think you would have to know what you're getting into with Carly Lloyd. First of all, like, you have to get a sense of, is she going to be protected or not? But like, I mean, if I'm Louisville, I'm trying to have conversations with as many national team players as I possibly can just to see what the interest level is. Right. Because I also still think that Carly Lloyd, you know, for as much a sort of commentary as she gets, when she is bought into something and is going to be like a good media soldier, she's a good media soldier. Like, I, I cannot tell you how many like mixed zones the two of us have been in with her when she's one of the last people out there still right like if she wants to do it like she will do it for you if she wants to be the face of a franchise and like prove that she still got that like she's gonna be bought in and will do it right so this is getting maybe a little deeper into the weeds than than the average player analysis might need to be but First of all, on the surface, Christy Holly, Carly Lloyd, existing relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Second of all, Carly seems to be having a, a very introspective moment in her life. If you followed any of her social media, she seems to be thinking over something happening. Like, can't say for certain, but she broke with like her old youth club and has been making some pointed comments. And even though she seems really well settled in New Jersey, she's got a husband, a house she just built. Mm -hmm. um all of the deer all the deer deer. (laughs) fire pit which i'm quite frankly jealous of (laughs) mad jealous on the other hand all the things that you just listed she's a professional 
you know, she's maybe someone who is more suited to being away from home for long periods of time and like mentally handling that a little bit better. Um, just because, you know, she seems a little bit more comfortable, not necessarily always having to be in her home environment, being by herself. You know, like you said, being the face of a franchise, a tentpole player, still coming up big in games. And then Sky Blue being willing to leave her unprotected because they don't necessarily need her for their long-term success. It feels like they're in a rebuilding period. And that's the time when you kind of look at the old ways and the new ways and see what you have to or can afford to cut here. So as much as we just said, Rose Lavelle seems like a you know pretty good option. I I don't I don't know if Christy Holly yeah. looks at Carly Lloyd and thinks, you know, if I need a locker room leader from day one to set the tone and get things going really quickly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I guess the question is is, you know, Christy Holly, I think it will be really interesting. I don't think, you know, his time in New Jersey necessarily endeared him to like Kelly O'Hara, right? <laughs> I don't know yeah. what his general relationship was with Carly Lloyd. Um, so, I mean, that could play a role. It could play a role in a good way. It could play a role in a bad way. But I do think it's certainly an interest. Like, this is probably, like, our <laughs> most far-out theory of the show so far. But it's not, like, I personally, and I we've spent a lot of time discussing Carly Lloyd because that's the kind of people that we are. But, like, honestly, I do think that if it comes to a leadership type, she is obviously not going to be necessarily like the rah, rah, rah. Like she's just going to show up and do the work. And that's the tone that's going to be set. But also I think we have seen over the course of the national team, like, I mean, I think about that video that I think it was Sam Mewis and and Steph McCaffrey did with her, right? Like the kids do really seem to like her. Right. Like and and whether that's because of her her reputation or what she's done, like it's clear that they look at her and they're like, well, I would like to have that level of success. Right. But she does. I don't think she gets enough credit also for like being extremely funny, but she is like she is actually a very personable person. Like and I I keep going back to like, you know, in the before COVID times, the two of us standing there with her in a mix zone. We were supposed to be interviewing her for like U.S. national team things. And then instead we were just like, let's talk about Shit's Creek for five minutes. You know, like I just think that she gets hidden behind this wall of her Carly Lloydness, right? right. She's very but, dry. Like, yeah, but she it, and that's the other problem, too, is that she is making a joke and people don't know that she is making a joke. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Anyway, anyway, I, I do. I'm. I'm interested in it as a theory, but I am also extremely curious to see how Sky Blue approaches their protection plan because that is a team that feels like it is going to want to hold on as tightly as possible to as a lot of players in a way that they might not be able to. Yeah, so. I mean, I could do a Sky Blue episode alone on why they need to be protecting. I and mean, like, we can obviously point to really obvious players that they need to be protecting, but uh, yeah. Yeah. All, all of a sudden, I just feel like I galaxy brain the whole thing, even though it was yeah. probably very obvious. I mean, that's that should really be the like promotion graphic for this episode is like our <laughs> draft. the galaxy brain one is just Carly Lloyd. And it's like a little Carly floating 
through the void. She's just doing the like the sippy cup. The, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I wanted to, before we get to like bigger expansion talk, let's take a, a trip down memory lane to the 2015 expansion draft <laughs> and see if there are any, <laughs> even by your laughter, there are lessons here to be learned from the last time we had an expansion team in this league, I think. Some pretty clear ones in terms of what not to do, right? So Orlando comes into the league in 2015. Their first real big move was not actually like the expansion draft. It was a trade, right? Um, (laughs) So they really, I'm trying to like even... So they they originally, any expansion team generally comes in and gets handed the first pick in the next college draft. So it trades that pick to Portland Thorns FC for Alex Morgan and Kalen Kyle. Um, I'm, who did that draft pick? Who, who was the first pick in the 2016 draft and why am I blanking? Um, Wasn't it Morgan? It was Emily Sonnet. Emily Sonnet. Yeah. Okay. So... That's that's move number one. We've both pulled up the results of the 2015 expansion draft. There's one name that stands out to me, and I know there's going to be one name that stands out to you as well in the ninth round of this expansion draft pick, and we will we will get to that. But in terms of, um, first of all, only like one pick per team. Right now we're up to two, thanks to the growth of the league and how big rosters are. Number one draft pick here is Megan Klingenberg, <laughs> which I honestly don't think I remembered at all. No, I, I have no memory of them ever taking Megan Klingenberg. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Right. She <laughs> she never, we've never, we never saw her play for Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. It was just because like she got trade. It was just, <laughs> she immediately then got traded essentially for Alex Morgan. Right. So like right. it just, it was such a nonsensical, nonsensical thing. It, they All were right. just gathering up things that they could give away to get Alex Morgan. Right. Right. Um, the, the most important player of this expansion draft though, was the number two pick in Ashlyn Harris which at the time was a pick that absolutely made sense. This was also at the same time that the Washington Spirit were essentially falling apart, right? Right. Um, Ashlyn Harris wanted out, and Ashlyn Harris is from Florida. Like, this is the ideal premise of an expansion draft pick, is that you get a big name that has a reason to go to your team and wants out of the previous one. And I don't think Louisville is going to find their Ashlyn Harris pick in this draft. No. No, when you scan that list, you don't really see a name jumping out from like a dysfunctional team where, you know, multiple people have spoken out against the coach for (laughs) breaking all the players because he won't take trainer's advice. Right. And the ownership. Yeah. Like, yeah. 2015 Washington Spirit was a real ride. So, yeah. Um, Skipping ahead a bit, you know, they did they did pick up some other pieces. I did also honestly forget for until I reread this is that's how they acquired Aubrey Bledsoe because now to me Aubrey Bledsoe right is like potentially U.S. national team player, but for a while there she was just in Orlando as Ashlyn Harris's backup keeper, which 
is just apparently information that got completely erased from my brain. But I did figure this was a perfect time for us to just express our love once again for Maddie Evans. I remember, this is probably the thing that I remember best from this expansion draft because I was so upset. Right. I was scanning the name and a lot of them I didn't remember, but I for sure remembered Maddie Evans because I was like, oh, who's going to want to take players from Boston, blah, 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 or they, you know, we'll be fine. We suck. Ha ha ha. Cry. <laughs> Tears of a clown. Um, I, I really was the clown that day because they fucking <laughs> took Maddie Evans, who, you know, you and I can agree she, she wasn't ever going to be a superstar player. But like we were talking about earlier, a good, solid player who you can switch between starter and bench, who's going to be there for you every game, has positive locker room effects, you know, and it was a fan favorite of a lot of people, or maybe just you and me, <laughs> a reason. <laughs> tiny like, Maddie Evans fan club, yeah. Yeah, a nice yeah. person. Right, right. So I think the big, the big takeaways are from Orlando Pride are not necessarily from the expansion draft, though I do think that there are some lessons. Like, f- who's, who's your Maddie Evans going to be? Because Maddie Evans did turn into a pretty important player for the Pride, right? And is also just a player that you can rely on to, like, know the rhythms of the NWSL season, too. Right. Right? Has been through it before. Like, that's the kind of player that I think is the ideal pick. But I think there's also lessons just in terms of how much Orlando gave up in order to get their star player in Alex Morgan. Right? Which I get, like, I still fundamentally understand the thought process behind it. But also you have to balance building your team around that big name player with actually like being able to fill out a roster. And that's where Orlando kind of did not necessarily put those pieces together, especially in year one. Right. Well, though, when you think about it, they traded, they gave away the number one pick in the 2016 college draft, which is Emily Sonnet. But who does Emily Sonnet? (laughs) They got there. Who has her rights now? So maybe they were geniuses. <laughs> they just had to suck for a couple of years yeah. really badly. They had, I mean, they had one. They had Marta's first year when she came in. I mean, yeah. they were, you know, playoff. That could be a whole other playlist, though. I mean, podcast yeah. where you talk about how do you have Marta and Alex Morgan? And I understand two people don't make a team, but they're mm-hmm. two such powerful people that it's really like – it, it's like having a great work of art and you keep it in a shoebox in your closet. <laughs> you, you're just not doing it justice. Anyway, so yeah, we right. can, we can, we can right. keep going with the draft though. All right. Well, let's, let's move on to general expansion stuff. So one of the other big things that came out of this media call with Chicago is Arnim Whistler kind of had some opening comments. And then, you know, my question was like, you paid a lot. And it gives you a year of protection. And then Arnim was like, well, let's take a step back because, yeah, we have this expansion draft. Then we have we know we have one for next year. But then he said, you know, there is the potential that we could have another two teams in the year after. So now we're looking at this very real possibility that the NWSL is at 14 teams during a World Cup year of 2023, which is a very... Interesting proposition for me. Um, I think 14 is not a new number, right? The question is, we don't know. I mean, we know in theory what the next three expansion teams are. Louisville, Angel City, Sacramento, right? Right. 
the next two are still, I would think, a little bit up in the air. I have talked to a pretty decent number of people in potential expansion markets, right? You know, we've seen some pretty dedicated interest from, like, let's say Josie Altator, right? Like in terms of Toronto, um, we have seen every potential goddamn NWSL city get a Twitter account saying, please bring NWSL here. The question is, do we really have two teams ready to go for 2023 in places that make sense? Does it make sense to add five teams in three years to this league? Before, I would have said absolutely not. I trust Lisa Baird a little bit more in terms of making like building a solid business plan to go forward. But I don't know if anybody can build a plan that's good enough to handle that level of expansion that quickly. Because it's not just the operations and logistics side of it. It's, you know, expanding the pool with 40 more professional caliber players in one year. And Mm -hmm. NCAA is strong in the United States. And I do think like top NCAA teams could possibly compete against some like lower level pro league teams in the US or or elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can't just ransack UVA, (laughs) UNC, Florida, Stanford, Stanford for like, there's only so many graduating seniors every year. And then possibly looking at some of the second tier leagues or plus international players. Like, Mm -hmm. It's it's a lot. Um, I I would love to see at least twelve by twenty twenty three, and I'm sure the league schedulers would love to stick in even number yep. team increments. Yep. Um, I don't. It also made me rethink our previous conversation about Rory Dane's Chicago and how to build a team. Because if you're expanding that rapidly by 2023, every team that comes in in 2023 is going to know these people are not going to be around. So when I take players, I'm not taking U.S. allocated or Canadian allocated or internationals. I'm going to pick your good homegrown player who's going to stick around, this kid that you invested four years into building, Rory, and I'm going to snatch her. (laughs) I'm just going to snatch that, and it's going to be mine for free. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there is a real – I know that the expansion draft has its own drama and everything, but it is kind of – I know that a lot of people have been looking forward to like kind of the end of North Carolina, right? As we know it, um, which I get, yeah. like I do get it, um, and and Portland to some extent too, right? Like you have two very consistent powerhouse teams in this league, right? And to have the talent spread around a little bit more, and and via a mechanism like this, invites drama, but also, yeah, thinking of potentially five teams in three years like it also the question becomes is it too much just in terms of like the sheer upheaval also these players like the ones that you're moving around to like we're not talking about nba salaries or anything like that right like you're asking players to potentially uproot themselves and move across the country for nwsl salaries and that to me is still also a little like mm, could could feel better right. in my so it it will be interesting though i think to see what you know if it, if if a team like atlanta united comes in more meaningfully i think the league does have to jump at an opportunity like that 
But the question also becomes, this is a, a conversation I've had with some other folks too, is like, do you sit at 12 and, and make it work and show that it works and then also drive the value up on the league so that way when you do expansion again, the expansion cost to like actually buy in is worth more money. I mean, that's what I was, it's the balance between that and then what if somebody comes to Lisa Baird who has like Deloy money and is like, I want into this league and yeah. I'll pay whatever your asking price is. How can you turn that down? Yeah. Yeah. The question is, is there a non-evil person <laughs> with Deloy money? Who's right. Exactly. Right like now? if you have yeah. Deloy money, then you did Deloy things to get that Deloy money. <laughs> Like strong, strong, 99% chance. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think that was that was pretty much it. Any any closing thoughts before, you know, I, I think we have to wait to see these protected and unprotected lists, but we now have a, a much better sense of how this is going to work. And I think the big question is allocation money. And if you go for that 75 or 150K. Right, right. I think... If Louisville had a chance to put Rose Lavelle and Katerina Macario on one team together. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's, like, a te- that's a team with very strong vibes. We'll put it that way. Yeah, strong, strong vibes. And I was like, well, I like mint green and lavender. I guess I'll be getting <laughs> some shirts or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's – I'm – I mostly just want to know. I just want to know. I have, I'm the kind of person who skips to the end of a murder mystery novel. <laughs> um, to, so in this particular murder mystery, <laughs> the rosters <laughs> being the ones that are about to get murdered. Like, yeah. guess who just got murdered? <laughs> I, don't I, I just want to know. I don't like waiting, although it, it is nice to be back in the NWSL swing of things like off season is always a weird time because when it's first over you're like god I can take a breath and then usually <laughs> after about two or three weeks I'm like so boring <laughs> <laughs> but you have the like, whole rest of the winter to go so at least we have a ton of shenanigans in this off season this weird corona off season to deal with isn't the NCAA or like the college draft there's something with that date as well that's it's not going to be the usual yeah, January I mean, I, th- I think, well, the, the coaches convention is all virtual this year. Right. So we're, I think, waiting to see what exactly the college draft looks like. And there, I guess there have been conversations, but also we don't really know who's done going to declare because kids might be able to postpone, right? Like right. keep their eligibility, right? So this is going to really, like, we're going to see the effects of this now for at least a year or two down the line. But there is a lot of you know, A, the NWSL, again, is in a much stronger position than it was even at the end of 2019. But yeah, there's a lot between expansion draft, what the college draft might look like, and then all of the other usual nonsense that happens in the off season. Yeah. We might actually be busy. And then the hand wringing over whether those kids are going to come back from England or not. <laughs> yeah. Just like Yeah. I mean, we have to, you know, consider that the NWSL is actually dead. So Right. It's very important. This league is dead, Meg. I don't I don't understand like North Carolina is dead. People are gone. <laughs> Players don't want to play here. Yep. So just yep. you just stockpile yep. stuff like Rory does now to last yep. you for the rest of your life for the yep. upcoming climate wars. Okay. Perfect. Great. That's Great why I need a sword. 
All right, we've come full circle, Steph. Tell people where to find you online. I'm at Thrace on Twitter, and I run All for 11, SB Nation's Women's Soccer Vertical. And um, I've done a little bit here and there for the Athletic, hopefully again in the future. We'll see. I, I very much hope so. Just need a budget again. Uh, we'll get there. In this economy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Valid point. All right, thank you as always for talking soccer and swords, you know. All of, all of the above. What a podcast idea. All right. Thank you to Steph. Make sure you follow her, follow her work. Also, do not believe anything she says about me. Thank you in advance on that front. Also, if she makes any sort of meme, just know. Just know that it is a long, long friendship that we have had. And I love her, but mm, okay. All right. That's it for another week. <laughs> full-time with Meg Linehan. One more thing, I did finally make the time to watch American Utopia on HBO Max, which is a filmed version of the David Byrne show from Broadway, directed by Spike Lee, and obviously it helps to be a Talking Heads fan, but the direction is amazing. Spike Lee's work, the, the camera work is just really incredible. The band that David Byrne has assembled is also amazing. It's one of those if if you do subscribe to HBO Max, you know, like if it's one of the 15 things that you might be subscribed to at any given time, I do recommend turning it on, turning it up. Um, the cover actually that they do of a Janelle Monáe song might actually be the best moment in the show uh, for me over any David Byrne original. So a twist that I did not see coming. All right. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks for making it this long into the episode. Again, subscribing to the podcast wherever you like to subscribe to podcasts is a huge help. So are your ratings and reviews. Uh, there is one from AA Rangers who wants to see this pod twice a week. I would love to make that move if I either suddenly have uh, 30 hours in a day um, or some extra help when it comes to women's soccer. And honestly, your subscriptions to this podcast, to The Athletic, your feedback might make one of those two things possible. And I, I'd like... To think that you can read between the lines on which one of those two is more likely to happen. All right. So again, one last time for y'all that offer for a new subscription to The Athletic for $1 a month is at theathletic.com slash full time. But that link will be up no matter what, no matter what the deal is. Uh, so that way you can show that you are a new subscriber to The Athletic because of this podcast. All right, you can find me on Twitter at It's Meg Linehan. Our podcast producer, as always, is Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg Linehan. Thank you for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.